Well, today we're, uh, we're right in the middle of this marriage thing, y'all, and so uh, it, it's exciting. This is Dustin and Ellen Slaughter. Uh, Dustin has been in our church like forever, and Ellen, they, 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 as y'all can tell, those are young people, y'all, and uh, we're excited about that. So Dustin, uh, how long you guys been married? Ten years, man, they're just like babies, y'all. They're just, you know, Denise and I have been married 44 years. They're 10 years. Baby, remember that? Do you? Amen. She remembers that 10-year deal. Uh, guys, you know what? Uh, we're wrapping up the marriage thing today. This is the last message in the marriage thing. And uh, it's, a, it's exciting to see y'all as a young couple being up here on the stage with uh, Denise and I. And uh, what we do, what I always do, y'all, is... Uh, when couples are coming in to get married and they come in to talk to me and we take them through counseling and all that kind of stuff and one of the last times that we meet together I always ask them this question all right if you can you name me three couples that you want your marriage to be exactly like and when I bring them in and ask them that question of all the married people that these couples are around all their life more times than not they can't even name one. They sit there and they look perplexed. And they go, good night. And I've had them say to me, Brother Jackie, you know, I can't even name one couple that I would want our marriage to be like. Why do you think that's true, y'all? Why, why do you think that a young couple would come in and go, wow, I can't think of nobody? What do you think, man? For me, when I was asked, I was like, yeah, that's the hardest question. I, I could have gotten an easier one um, because I don't, I don't have that. You always see the bad in a marriage. You don't really know what's going on because nobody knows how to, to fight or to, to, keep it, um, to keep it between them uh, and work it out. You always see the bad, so you always go, well, I'm not going to be like them. Um, but, but that's how I, I see it. There's just no perfect marriage. Right. You can have a... Um, you can have a great marriage, but there is no perfect marriage. There's just, for me, I just, you know, you're not going to see it. Got you. What do you think, Yellow? What do you think? I still think, I still think people talk too much <laughs> about their marriages to the wrong people. Um, you know, I used this example this morning. Dustin and I were married so young, and, you know, we would fuss about something, and I'd run to my girlfriends, you know, if he leaves his socks in the floor one more time, he's, you know, he's this, and he's that, he's selfish, he's lazy, and would get angry and tell them all about it, well, then he'd go to his friends, y'all, my wife's crazy, she's losing her mind over a pair of socks, and then they'd all, yeah, she's crazy, you married, <laughs> and so it, we just, you know, instead of seeking God first and talking to God about it, and then being able to talk to one another about it and maybe having another couple we could confide in, we would just air all of our business. So then, you know, everyone would think, well, their marriages are, they're awful. That's a terrible marriage, you know. And so many people do that. They won't just shut their mouths. They just, need, they just talk too much. Yes. About, about their issues. Yes. I agree. I agree. What do you think, babe? Well, we don't have perfect marriages because we don't have perfect people. Until we um, kneel at our Father 
one day in heaven. We're not going to be perfect. But it doesn't stop us from striving every day to be what he wants us to be. The closer we get to God, the closer, if you're married, you get to your husband. Because um, he should, God should be one in your life, and your man or your wife should be number two. Um, it just, it makes a difference. And um, like I said this morning, I just thank God that, <laughs> Whew, that song was awesome. <laughs> I thank God that the Holy Spirit lives within me and him. And that through that, he has kept us together and he has brought us where we are today. Um, you don't know a person until you live with them. Uh, you know, I said last week, we never fought when we were dating. And then we, we uh, lived in the same house and reality hit in. Well, when you see um, one person and they look wonderful, and then you see another person that's married to them and they don't look so good, then you kind of think, oh, my gosh. But guess what? We all look pretty yucky. Except in his eyes, if we are his. So strive to be what he wants you to be, and then you'll be what, God, what you should be with your mate. Good. You know, we, uh, I'm not done, y'all. <clears throat> um, you know, uh, when I talk to young couples, and we got a lot of young couples in our church, and I love all the young couples here, like Dustin and Ellen, but my prayer is like for Dustin and Ellen that somewhere down the line, I'm going to bring some little young couple in and I'm going to go, hey, y'all, uh, name me three couples you want your marriage to be like. And immediately they're going to go, oh, Dustin and Ellen Slaughter. Uh, because they watch your life and they watch your faithfulness and they see who you are. And so my prayer is that our young couples can look around our church and go, oh, yeah, that's easy. I, I want to be like this couple and this couple and this couple. And so uh, it, it's, a, it's interesting to see how God works all that out. So, guys, thank y'all for being up here with me today. Let them know you appreciate them, guys. God's good. Amen. Amen. Thanks, baby. Amen. Well, are y'all ready today? Can I get an amen? Let's take our Bible, our copy of God's Word. Let's all stand together. Y'all know what to do. Let's say it like we mean it, guys. This is my Bible. It is trustworthy and true. Right now, my mind is alert, my heart is humble, and my spirit is teachable. And I will listen, I will learn, and I will live the principles taught in this book. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Let's bow together and pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, God, that we can come before you today, God, and we recognize and realize, Lord, that you're an awesome God. And, Lord, we thank you today that the Holy Spirit does live in the life of every believer. And, God, today we thank you, Lord, that we have that firm assurance that we will never be alone. So, God, today I pray that you will bless this message on marriage. And, God, that you'll receive all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so ready to learn. Go ahead and tell them that. Well, it's good to be in the house of God today. 
And thank God for that. We are presently in a Bible teaching series. And by the way, y'all, today is the last message on making marvelous marriages. And I know that some of you are thinking, thank God for that, Brother Jackie, because you know what? I've had people say to me, well, I'm not married, you know, and I don't want to be married. Well, I I want to encourage you uh, today. There's a lot of married couples in here. There's a lot of married couples that uh, listen online and watching and, and and involved in the sermons here. And I just want to encourage you, I want to thank all of you that are not married, that you've been able to kind of stay the course and be with us. But I also want to remind you that even if you're not married, there are principles that we're going to talk about that I believe you can apply to your life, whether you're married or single, it doesn't matter. Also, you're going to run across some young couple that maybe you can give a word of advice to or a word of encouragement to as you've been in the sermon series. And I pray that you will do that. For all of you single people, thank you for being uh, here and being faithful to that. But we've been talking about making marvelous marriages. Now, today I'm going to invite you to get your outline out. I'm going to invite you to get a pen or a pencil uh, because I'm going to be giving you some things that's not going to be on the outline. But today we'll wrap up uh, the series called Making Marvelous Marriages. So today we'll finalize that. I wish that, that I could take more time Uh, to do more of this because there is so much that we need to hear. But the first sermon that I talked about, you may want to remember this, we talked about making marvelous marriages, and the very first thing that we talked about was the foundation of a marvelous marriage. That is, you've got to have the right foundation if you're going to have a marvelous marriage. And then, secondly, we talked about the finances in a marvelous marriage, understanding that certainly money uh, plays a role in that. And there's a lot of couples that battle over the finances. So we talked about finances in a marvelous marriage. And then last Sunday, we talked about fights in a marvelous marriage, how to have a fight, how to do it well. And all of you know that uh, we don't want to end on how to have a fight because part of the fun of having a fight is being able to make up. Can I get an amen? And so today, I want to talk to you about the fire in a marvelous marriage, the fire in a marvelous marriage. Y'all say that like y'all are kind of in this thing, okay? Are you ready? The title, the fire in a marvelous marriage. Some of you went like this. You're leaning in because you want me to say something that's going to help you in your marriage when it comes to the fire in a marvelous marriage. So today, take your copy of God's Word and be finding that wonderful book of Genesis. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, let me remind you, or let me ask you some questions. The first question I want to ask you is this. Why is it that a large majority of marriages fizzle before they finish? Why is it that a large majority of marriages don't make it? Why is it that a large majority of marriages have lost the fire in the marriage? No couple starts off in a marriage to fail. As a matter of fact, all the years that I've been pastoring, no young couple has ever came into my office and said, Brother Jackie, we would like for you to perform our wedding ceremony so that we can be miserable the rest of our life. Nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever walked into my office and said, Oh, Brother Jackie, we would like to get married so we can learn to hate each other. Nobody's ever done that. And nobody has ever walked in my office and said, Oh, Brother Jackie, we want to sign up for this marriage thing so that we can end up in a divorce. Nobody has ever done that. But yet at the the sad conclusion is that a 
lot of couples end up like that. They end up miserable. Uh, they end up hating each other. They end up in divorce. And even yet, there are other couples who have decided that rather than be part of the divorce statistic, they will just stick it out. Uh, but even though they are sticking it out, they're miserable. There are a lot of divorced couples that say that, or a lot of couples that are not divorced that say these words to me, I'm stuck. That's where I am. I'm stuck in this marriage, and there's nothing that I can do about it. Here's the questions for you. What takes the fire out of a marriage? And I believe this, the fire that fizzles from the, before the finish is faulty from the first. I believe a lot of marriages start off the wrong way. And I believe that a lot of marriages begin the journey on the wrong foot. And because of that, here's some questions to ponder. What is fire in a marriage? What is that all about? Now, most people would say, well, Brother Jackie, fire in a marriage is sexual. That's what it is. That's what the fire is all about. Now, a lot of people would begin to describe fire in a marriage as sexual or intimacy. What do you do when the fire fizzles? How do you maintain fire in a marriage? How do you do that? How do you keep things alive? How do you keep the fire blazing in a relationship? Now, here's a, here's a question I want you to write down, uh, and I want you to jot it down seriously, and here's the question. Have you ever asked this question, what's it like being married to you? What's it like being married to you? You know, a lot of times we're always looking at the other person. We're always going, well, uh, you know what? Being married to him is terrible. Or being married to her is awful. But what about, what's it like being married to you? It reminds me of the story of a little four-year-old little girl named Susie. Susie had just been told the story of Snow White for the first time in her life. She could hardly wait to get home from nursing, nursery school to tell her mama the story of Snow White. With wide-eyed excitement, she retold the fairy tale to her mother that afternoon. After re relating how Prince Charming had arrived on his beautiful white horse and kissed Snow White and brought her back to life, Susie asked with enthusiasm loudly, And mommy, do you know what happened then? And their mama said, yes, I really do know what happened then. They lived happily ever after. To which little Susie replied, no, mama. She, she replied with a frown, they got married. Isn't that awful, y'all? That a little girl would say, no, it wasn't a fairy tale that ended off like they were all in love. No, they got married because she had saw what marriage would do. When we think about this, take your copy of God's Word and open it up to the book of Genesis. I'm going to go over some things with you today that I hope and pray will make a difference and a positive difference in your life. The Bible begins to tell us in the book of Genesis in chapter 1 and verse number 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. So to you 
shall it be for me and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth wherein there is life. I've given every green herb for meat and it was so. And verse number 31 is profound to me. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, say it with me church, it was very good. And the Bible says the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now when you begin to examine the word of God, you begin to realize that right there in the beginning of our Bible, we have details of where we came from. The Bible says that God created man in his image. The Bible says he created them male and female. So we realize that the or where we originated from, we didn't evolve from something, but God created us. God has a very special purpose for our life. So we realize that we're not accidents. And then you'll notice in the word of God that God says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Now, when we open the word of God and we begin to read there together, we understand that God introduced procreation. That is the relationship between a husband and a wife. God said that he created the man, he created the woman, and because of the creation of who they are and the approval that God gives them, that they can join together intimately and that they could have a good life together. Now, the Bible tells us if we look there together that God gave them permission y'all to be fruitful and multiply and then he said this is very good very good now what we need to realize is that in this approval that God gives man and woman he's doing that in the context of God who brings them together we understand that God brought the man and the woman together in the what we call the covenant of marriage for this call shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife so that they are no more two but now they have become one. So God has designed a very beautiful expression for us as individuals that we can come together and we can build a life together. The Bible says it's very good. So we understand then that intimacy and sexual relationships in, in under the covenant of the marriage is very good. Now anytime we are engaged in that kind of activity outside of marriage, we, we begin to dilute it. We begin to pervert it. And the Bible says that God brought them two together and they were to become one in that relationship. So then we understand as we study the Bible in the next scripture, in the book of Hebrews, it says marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. So what does that mean? That means when a husband and wife comes together under the covenant of marriage, under the blessing of God, that God honors the intimacy between a man and a woman. And when they come together, the Bible says that marriage is honorable. That's an honorable thing in the eyes of God. And the Bible says that when a married couple come together to engage in that relationship of sexuality and intimacy, the Bible says that God, is, that, that the marriage bed is undefiled. That means it's not polluted. But notice what he says. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will what, church? Judge. What does that mean? It means that when you're involved with someone else sexually outside of the covenant of the marriage, that you're in a place that God is going to bring judgment on that situation. The Bible tells us that if we're engaged sexually outside the realm of the marriage, we're doing, we're doing the wrong thing. Now, I want to tell you this, and I want you to listen to me. We're living in a world today, in our world, that says and applauds 
sex, free sex, you know, whoever, whenever. I'm going to tell you, my friend, that's wrong. Now, listen to me. I'm not your enemy, but I do want to tell you this. I think it's high time in America that somebody stand behind the sacred desk of God and unashamedly and powerfully say that sex outside of marriage is wrong in the eyes of God. And I believe that we need to hear that message. Living together outside of marriage is wrong. Having sexual intimacy with somebody outside of marriage is wrong. If you're having sex with somebody out before you're married, it's a wrong thing to do. If you're married to somebody and you're having intimacy and sex with somebody other than your husband or your wife, the Bible says that God will judge that. That's a serious thing. So there is a sanctity in intimacy and, and sexual relations between a husband and a wife. Now the Bible goes on and says, if you open your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians, and boy, I wish I had time to take you there. I wish I had time to teach you all this stuff. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, what that means is it's okay to be single. It's okay to be single. If, you don't, if you're not married, that's an okay thing. It doesn't make you a weirdo. It doesn't make you a second-class citizen. So the Bible says it's okay for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife. His own wife, not somebody else's wife. Your own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. Now the Bible says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has not power over his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not the one with the other, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourself to prayer and fasting and come together again that Satan tempts you not for your incontingency. Listen, what that means is, is that when you're married and you have a husband or you have a wife, that you are to take care of one another's sexual needs. That you are to make sure that the intimacy is part of your life. What the Bible is saying, that if you neglect that, that you're setting your husband up for the devil to tempt him. Or if you neglect it with your wife, you're setting your wife up for the devil to tempt them. What happens is, in a marriage, the couples begin to drift apart, and in that... The, the, the wife goes to work and there's some guy there telling her everything she wants to hear and, and her husband's not paying any attention to her and he's not taking care of her needs, then before long, Satan comes in and destroys that marriage. Or likewise, a guy, uh, he's going to work, he's out there with, with people and there's, there's women everywhere and, and his wife's not taking care of her needs, his needs. Then all of a sudden, he, he comes across some woman that gives him attention, and before long, the devil has tempted him. There's a lot of people that say, oh, my husband committed adultery, and, and he left me for another woman. The, have you ever thought about this? Maybe you wasn't taking care of him. Or, or likewise, men will say, well, my wife left me for another man. Well, you know what? I've learned in 36 years of marriage that there's three, or 36 years of pastoring 
There's three sides to every story. There's his side and her side and the right side. So we have to realize that when we get married, we're responsible for taking care of each other. Then the Bible says, but I speak this by permission uh, and not a commandment. For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man has proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and to the widows, it's good for them that they abide even as I abide. But if they cannot contain themselves, come on, say it with me, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Now what does that mean? It means that if you have this this desire, this fleshly desire, and uh, you, you, you realize that you're, you're dealing with that, you know, the Bible says get married, find a husband, find a wife. It's better for you to marry than for you to burn or to express that need outside of covenant. So when you, when you, when you are out there under that covenant you're, and you exercise that, that need of the flesh outside of marriage, the Bible says he will judge that. So we need to realize then that when we think about that, when we think about fire in the marriage, it's a lot more, and I want you to hear me. Are you listening to me today? Say amen. Fire in the marriage is a lot more than sex. It's a lot more than that. Now, if I were to ask the guys, if it was just a room full of guys, and I were to say, hey, guys, look at me. What, what's fire in the marriage? All the guys go, sex, Brother Jackie, sex. If I were to be in a room full of women and say, okay, girls, tell me what, into, what fire is in marriage, y'all wouldn't say sex. As a matter of fact, if I were to do that today and some girl jumped up and said, hey, it's sex, every guy in here want to marry you. It's crazy. <laughs> the fact of the matter is it's bigger than that. It, it goes further than that. So when I begin to think about that, I begin, if I were to say this to a crowd, talk about fire in the marriage, how would I, what would I say this? To, what would, how would I describe that to y'all? So I want you to write this down. It's doing life together. It's doing life together. That's what fire in the marriage is. Just going through the ups, going through the downs, navigating through life, doing life together. Can I get an amen? It just means that no matter what's going on in your world, that you yourself are going, you know what? I have a husband, I have a wife, and we're just going to do life together. Doing life together, yes, it is intimacy. Yes, it is sexual. But guys, it's paying bills too. It's, it's going through the tough times and the hard times. It's navigating through the mountaintops and the valleys. It's just doing life together. How do you maintain fire in a marriage? You do life together. So today I wanted to talk to you about that for a moment. Looking at point number one, and that is this. Be aware of danger number one. Danger number one. What is danger number one? We just drifted apart. I can't tell you how many people tell me that. Brother Jackie, we got married and we just drifted apart. I hear this over and over and over again. It's like two ships that lose their anchor and they just kind of drift apart. Just kind of drift apart. I can't tell you how many married couples that I deal with that that's what they say to me. How did you lose the fire in your marriage? Oh, we just drifted apart. We just drifted apart. It's almost as if we didn't even see it coming. 
Now, in order to accomplish this drifting apart, I believe that there's four things that, that I've identified that will cause you to drift apart. And I want you to write them down. They're not on your screen. They're not in your outline. The first thing is neglect. When you start neglecting each other, you're going to drift apart. When you, when you neglect your husband or you neglect your wife, you're going to drift apart. That just is a normal thing that happens. The other thing is distractions. We get distracted by everything. We're distracted by this and we're distracted by that. And these distractions take us away from our priorities. The third thing is busyness. People are just busy today. I want the young couples to hear me today. Young couples, you're living in a world that is so busy. Man, y'all are slammed with everything. You're slammed with all the activities your kids are doing, all the sports, all the things. Man, our young couples are going from can to can't. They don't have time to spend time with their spouse. They don't understand that they're living in a world that the devil has created to kind of keep them so busy that even when they have time together, they're just wore out. They don't have time for each other. And then the fourth thing is selfishness. That will cause you to drift apart, not thinking about your spouse's needs. But you're always thinking about yourself rather than your husband or your wife. The book of Mark says it this way. It says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife so that they are no more two, but now they have become one. The Bible tells us that therefore what God has joined together, somebody tell me, let no man put asunder. You know what that means? Don't let anybody separate the husband and the wife. Don't let time don't let busyness, don't let all that stuff separate you. Because what's going to happen to me, listen to me, guys. What's going to happen to your marriage when you drift apart, you're going to lose the fire. And you're going to wake up one day and go, man, I don't know what happened. We just kind of drifted apart. That's not what you need to do. Danger number two is beware of little foxes. The little things, the little things that come into a marriage that begin to eat away at it. Now, the Song of Solomon is a very intimate book in the Bible. If I were to be teaching through the book of the Song of Solomon, this is what I would say to all of you. If I was going to do a Bible teaching on the Song of Solomon, I would say nobody under 18 allowed in here because the Song of Solomon is a hot, steamy book. When you get down to teach it, you begin to realize, oh my gosh, here's a guy and a gal that I'm talking about. They're building a steamy relationship. So I would have to say, no kids allowed in here if I was going to teach through the Song of Solomon. But right there in chapter 2, he begins to identify something that I think is profound. He says, oh my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the stairs. Let me see your countenance. Let me hear thy voice. I said this to Denise this morning, this same thing. Oh, sweet is my voice, and your countenance is so calmly, baby. And take us the foxes, the what? Little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. Let me tell you something, guys. You know what destroys marriages? Little things. Little things, the little things that eat away at you, the things that you think, oh, that's not that important. 
or you know what, she'll get over that or he'll get over that. The little foxes, the little termites that eat away at the marriage. And I believe that when we think about those little foxes, it's not the big things that kill most marriages. You know what I've learned in life is that most of the time the big things bring us closer together, like the loss of a job or the sudden illness or the death of a loved one. What I find in those big things, couples come together. But what I find happening in couples' lives, the little things seem to eat away at their relationship. The little termites, those little things, the little pests, the little termites that eat away without anybody hardly noticing it. What I've learned in life is that most marriages are not destroyed by a blowout. Most of it's a slow leak. Just little by little, little bit of this and a little bit of that, little bit of missing this and a little bit of taking that for granted, and all of a sudden, these little things begin to add up to big things. And what happens is we start drifting apart in our relationships. So today I was telling Beth this week, I said, you know what? I've never done so many acronyms in all my life for a sermon. But I wanted to give you something that I think you could take away with you today. So the first thing is I want to ask you, how do you spell love? Some of y'all would say S-E-X, that's how you do it. That's how you spell love. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, some of y'all would say, Brother Jackie, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard in my life. You spell love, L-O-V-E. But I think that when we're talking realistically, you spell love, not L-O-V-E, but T-I-M-E, time. We have to give each other time. And I believe that when we think about that, the first word that I want to talk about in this acronym, how do you spell love, is time. Spending quality time together. We're living in a world today, everybody, to where we don't have much quantity of time. I mean, everybody's busy, everybody's running to and fro. I'm not saying that you have to give a lot of quantity of time, but what I am saying is when you're with your husband and wife, give them quality time. Now, I want you to write something down. Are you listening to me? Say amen. amen. Write this down. When you're there, be there. When you're there, be there. When you're with your husband, be with your husband. When you're with your wife, be with your wife. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to help y'all. Anybody know what this is? Can I get an amen? This is a TV remote control. Can I tell you this, my friend? There's a lot of husband and wife that have time to be together, but this one-eyed monster comes into your life, and man, you just got this right here. When you're with your husband or with your wife, be with them. Listen, this thing does have an off button on it. You can turn it off. As a matter of fact, most of the junk ain't worth looking at anyway. So you know what? When you're with your husband and wife and you've got a time to be together, turn the TV off. Let me give you another example. Does anybody know what this is? Anybody got a clue what this is? This is one of those controllers for an Xbox. And I'm telling you, this is what couples do. What do you like for dinner? You ain't hearing a thing. I love you. 
You ain't hear nothing. Listen to me. Turn the blame game off. Put this thing down. Now, there's nothing wrong with playing a game, but sometimes you need to turn a game off. Here's another example for you. Anybody know what this is? Anybody in here got one of these, these things? If you do, raise your hand. Man, look, this thing right here will keep you away from your family. It'll keep you away from your husband, your wife. Rather than paying attention to each other, you're here. Look at me and listen to me. There's nothing wrong with a phone. I think a phone is a good thing. But I'm telling you, there are times when you need to take this phone and put it down. And you need to pay attention to your husband. And you need to pay attention to your wife. You need to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this little stuff interfere with our time together. You have to make sure you spend time together. Set a date night. Go out once every now and then with your husband and with your wife. You say, Brother Jackie, we ain't got no money to go on a date. Look at me. Rope, build a fire and burn a hot dog outside. <laughs> Roast a marshmallow. Do something together. Yesterday, Denise and I were able to be at the house. We went out on our property and she made a picnic lunch. We had banana sandwiches outside. Let me tell you something, guys. That's a good thing especially when she brought a bag of golden flake corn curls, cheese curls with her. We're able to sit out there and just have a banana sandwich. Just go outside, just enjoy a minute together, have a banana sandwich and some cheese curls. You know what? That's not a bad thing to do. Every now and then, stop and look at the stars together. Just take a moment. You don't have to spend all that money. But men, we're living in a world today that we're so busy that we forget to how to keep the fire burning. And all these things interrupt us. You need to spend time together. The second thing is intimacy. You need to have intimacy together. What is intimacy? If you asked a guy, a guy what that is, sex is what he would say. If you asked a girl what that is, she'd say, oh no, it's uh, the way he looks in my eyes. It's the way he holds my hands. You know, I believe that intimacy is so important. Every now and then, you need to look at each other's eyes. You need to stare at each other. You need to put your arm around her. You need to make sure that you make each other feel important. You need to take a walk. You need to hold her hand. You need to hold his hands. Denise and I, when we're going places together, we're in the car together, she always puts her hand on my leg, the lower part. Just so you understand that. She'll put her hand on my leg, uh, and, and I'll, I'll, she'll, we'll hold hands. Man, if we get in a car and that don't happen, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've messed up somewhere. But you know what you need to do? You need to hold each other's hand. You've got to make sure that you have moments with each other without sex. It's important for you to do that. It's important for you to spend intimate time together. Put on a Kenny G album. Spend something, listen to some music. Do something that you hadn't done in a while. Take a minute to take a time out from all the things that you're doing and enjoy each other for a minute. And then the, the third thing you need to do is have mutual respect for one another. You know, I've learned in life that this would help cure a lot of arguments. 
That is if I respect you and you respect me back. I've got a right to think a certain way and so do you. We have to realize that we're, we're supposed to respect each other. We ought to do that. We ought to learn, talk to each other, and learn mutual respect toward one another. And then the last thing is effort. You've got to put some effort into it, y'all. It takes work to keep the fire going. Learn each other's love language. Write that down. Learn each other's love language. You know, sometimes there are some people that their love language is gifts. I just want you to buy me a gift every now and then. Other people's love language is words of affirmation. You know, I can, I, I'm going to tell you something. All y'all can brag on me all day. You can walk out the church and go, Brother Jackie, that was a dynamite sermon. I appreciate that. I really do. But when I get with my wife and she looks me in the eyes and says, Sweetheart, you knocked it out of the park today. I'm going to tell you, my head swells up. My chest pokes out. And I think, thank you for saying that. Words of affirmation. Words that will encourage one another. Learn each other's love language. Write this down. This will help you. Take a bath. Take a bath. Listen, if you want to build the fire in your marriage, quit stinking so much. Take a bath. Guys come home from work, you're dirty, you're grungy. Don't you love me, sweetheart? Got snuff running down your lip. Good night. Who wants to kiss you? Take a bath. Clean up a little bit. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. Brush your tooth or your teeth, whatever you got. Brush it. Drink some, drink some mouthwash. Freshen yourself up a little bit. Dress nice. Good night, y'all. Y'all remember when you was dating? Man, you would stand in front of a mirror for hours getting ready for him to come by and pick you up. Now when he comes home, oh my God, what happened to you? You're slouchy. You hadn't dressed up for him in three years. All he saw you with was your hair all wadded up, your clothes are a mess, you don't look attractive, and look at me, guys. He's working with women out there that's looking good. She's hanging around with guys out there that's looking good. Listen, Make sure you put some effort in keeping the fire alive. It ain't going to hurt you to clean up. It ain't going to hurt you to make sure that you dress up a little bit. It ain't going to hurt you to look pretty again. You can paint the barn again. Put some makeup on. Listen, make sure you smell nice. Good night. Put some effort into it. Can I get an amen? Well, that's good, Brother Jackie. Amen. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. You want to build the fire in the marriage? Well, put some effort into it. Good night. Put some effort into it. And then I thought, well, what else would I tell y'all if I had a chance to tell you? i tell you how to build the best marriage. How to build the best marriage you could build. Now, y'all need to hear me, TJ. Listen to me. <laughs> Sitting over there all by yourself, man. His wife's servant. I know where she is. But listen to me. How do you build the best marriage? I'm going to give you four things that you can do to build the best marriage and keep your fire alive. Are you ready? Bless them. Bless them. Don't bless them out. Bless them. Bless them. 
You know, when I thought about that, I thought, that's good, Brother Jackie. Now, let's just stay there a minute, Bethany. Speak well to your spouse. Bless them with kind words. Bless them with good words. Express thankfulness to them. Let them know you appreciate them. L listen to me, y'all. Pray for your spouse every day. When was the last time that you laid your hand on your husband and you said, Father, bless my husband today. He's going to go out there and work today. There's no telling what he'll be facing today. He's going to go out there and he's probably going to do some, be in a job that he really don't like. He's going to be around people that gets on his nerves. Father, today before my husband leaves this house, I want you to bless him today. Father, let your blessings be around him. When's the last time that you laid your hand on your wife and said, Father, bless my wife. Bless her, Lord, today. Be with her today. Lord, let her know that you are there today with her. She's got a lot of things she's got to do today. And I believe that if you would learn to bless your spouse, you would be on the road to a good relationship with them. I want to encourage you to take a minute to bless your spouse. Speak blessings over them. Say kind things to them. Use words that will build them up. Let them know you appreciate them. Then secondly, edifying. Build them up. Give them praise. Say things that reinforce their self-worth. Let them know that they're valuable to you. Edify them and build them up with words. Words have a lot of weight they carry. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. The Bible tells us everything that God has ever done, he did it with words. He spoke and the world came into existence. When Jesus was here, he spoke and things happened. The blind received the sight and the dead were raised to life. There's power in your words. Use the words to edify one another. You'll be glad you did. And then the S is sharing. Share time together. Share activities together. Share interests together. Talk about your day with each other. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I'm working on it. When I go to Brompton, and by the way, we still believe it's Brompton, y'all. When I check out from, from where I am and I head to the farm and I go there, I'm going to be honest with you. I just want to forget all the junk. I don't want to rehearse all that junk and all that garbage, all that stuff. But my wife hadn't been with me all day. And she wants to hear about my day. And be honest with you, I'm working on that. I'm getting better, I hope, of saying, well, this is what happened. This is what happened. But most of us have a tendency that we don't know how to share together. We need to bring our spouses into our life. We need to share the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads. We need to be able to talk together, share our life together, share our days together, share our dreams together. To be able to communicate together in a way that we will feel like we're part of their life. And here's the last one. You're going to like me for this one. It's okay to touch them. Amen. I know y'all waiting on that one. Some of y'all going, whoa, that was what I was waiting on, Brother Jack. You know, touch them. There's something special 
about the touch. The physical contact that is so important between a husband and a wife. Not just necessarily the sexual touch, but the touch of a hand, the touch of a pat, the touch of an arm around each other, the touch that means something to each other when you can look in each other's eyes and just touch each other. There's something special about that, touching each other. God touches us. It creates an intimacy between us and God when God touches us. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, to keep the fire in your marriage, you've got to do those things. And I, I want to tell you, the devil is a master at coming between a husband and a wife. The devil is a master at getting you so busy that you forget to look at her eyes. The devil's so good that you forget to remember my husband might need my prayers today. I might need to encourage him today. We get so busy with all this stuff that's in our life that all of a sudden the fire fizzles out. And it shouldn't. The fire shouldn't fizzle. People say, well, now, Brother Jackie, we had a lot of fire when we was young. Well, you know what? The way I understand it, the more wood you put in the fire, the hotter it gets. And the more you work on it, the better it gets. You got to realize that it takes work. It takes work. Now, let me give you a bottom line. Bottom line is so important. Don't be too proud to ask for help. There's a lot of people that struggle with marital issues. And they go, you know what? I ain't going to talk to nobody. No, I'm not letting anybody on my business. Most people wait too long before they ask for help. Denise and I have had to do that. We've been through the ups and the downs. We've had to sit down with somebody and go, man, we need to talk to somebody. We've, we've, we've went to marriage conferences, not to, not to speak on them, but for us to be in them. We've had to sit knee to knee and go, okay, we need to work through this one. We've had to say, we need somebody to help us. You see, one of the things I think that people battle with is pride. They go, I'm not gonna ask nobody. Don't be too proud to ask for help. In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says, Call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. I want you to look at me today. Look at me. We have a heavenly Father that stands ready to help you. He's there to help you. Don't be too proud to ask him, Lord, I need some help. We have people around us that are willing to help us if we just ask for it. Don't wait too long to ask for help. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Most marriages, they, they dissolve because of a slow leak, just little by little, taking each other for granted, 
taking those cheap shots at one another, drifting apart, doing all that. Then you look up and you go, man, we don't even know each other. Who's this woman in my house? Who's this man in my house? You don't have to be like that. Your marriage can be a marvelous marriage, but you got to be willing to open your heart and your ears and yourself up to go, wow, I need to change. I need to change. So today, with that in mind, would you bow with me over this auditorium? As we bow together, our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in just a moment, there's going to be people standing at this altar. You may have come in here today and say, Brother Jack, I don't care one thing about marriage. But man, I tell you what, I don't, I'm not real sure where I'd spend eternity. Well, I want to tell you, the greatest decision that could be made here today is somebody give their heart to Christ. That you would come and say, Brother Jackie, I need Jesus in my heart. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come as our ministers already stand and come now. They're going to be here, and they're here to help you with that decision. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, we want you to come. Or maybe today, you need to join the church. You'd say, Brother Jack, I'd like to be a part of Eden Westside. That's why these guys are here to help you with that. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you be honest in this place today? Is there anybody in here that knows somebody that you would say, Brother Jackie, they need my prayers because their marriage is in trouble. Would you slip up your hand if you know anybody like that? That you would say, yep, those people are struggling. It may be a son, it may be a daughter, it may be a friend, it may be a co-worker. Do you know anybody like that? Raise your hand if you do. What a great time for you to come and pray for them here at this altar. Or maybe you're here today as a husband and a wife and you go, sweetheart, let's go down to that altar and pray. Let's go make a renewed commitment to each other that we're going to work hard on our marriage. And husband, you ought to grab your wife by the hand. Say, sweetheart, let's go pray together. So, we wouldn't know whether it's about you or about your friends, but you could come to the altar today. Nobody's going to judge that. Nobody's even going to know why you're praying, but you could come today. So right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, who'll be the first to come? God bless you, ma'am. Others that need to stand and come. You just come right now. Just stand up and come on down. Take a minute with God. Just pray. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter that needs prayer. Maybe you've got a friend, a couple that needs prayer. You just stand up and come on right now. God bless you. They'll let you out. Just say, if you're in the middle of an aisle, they'll just say, excuse me, they'll move. You come on right now. Many are coming. You come. Come on.